I figured you were you got the lead, and I already hit record, so you got to lead it in now. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna throw it to Nathan. You're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted Korean American and more. And now here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. It's your boys, KJ, Nathan, and Patrick, back with another interview. Fellas, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Excellent. Hey, steal um, my line. So we <laughs> we have a, a really great interview today with our friend Lana, uh, who is close personal friends with Nathan. It seems like they hang out all the time. Uh, so it was really like, like literally she is no, in she's hanging out with my wife as we record this <laughs> intro. So, uh, yeah, but it was a, a fantastic conversation. Um, we talk about her going to Korea. We talk about, we talk about what John G means. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, Patrick. What does John G mean? It means to feast in Korean, and that's what we do on the show. <laughs> oh, God. We feast at the it's end of the so show, exciting. and then we feast on the stories of people who come on the show for sustenance. That's about it. A la your style. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Usually with a lot more enthusiasm. That was enthusiastic. <laughs> I mean, for Eeyore. I guess. I actually explained what that meant today to someone. So. And how did that go for you? I felt it went well. I think uh, everything, it's funny because I always say it and it's like, am I pronouncing it right? Or they, I mean, do they understand John Chi, like how it's spelled? I don't know. Cause I always remember we used to joke that John Chi was like a name. Like I want to spell it, you know? It makes sense. But, it would uh, probably make it easier for people to find our podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I could, usually spell for people. You could oh, okay. uh, ask Alexa to play our podcast if it was an english name maybe a spanish name i've not actually tried any spanish podcasts but. alexa hates it when i try to say it too i have yeah. tried yeah just well doesn't. maybe if alexa wasn't so racist i'm just kidding <laughs> that's true i don't even <laughs> use Anyways, alexa because of the racism this has uh, nothing to do with our episode <laughs> we have a fantastic interview with lana who comes on and shares her story about going to korea and other things i don't want to give it away too much well and her reunion with her family and i told you i don't uh, want to give it away yeah, too much i'm just saying she's got she's got stuff it's a good a, episode yeah. It's a it's a good episode. So we are gonna roll that tape right now. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. We are back with our interview portion. We are here with a very special guest, a local local guest for me, uh, Lana. <laughs> it's actually a spoiler alert. Distinction. Welcome, Lana. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I know I just I just saw you like six hours All ago, right. but our guest yeah. today is Lana, who is friend of Nathan. Nathan, for some reason, is acting like he's never met Lana before, and I am very confused. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to make it so that it wasn't so you know I don't know familiar. I don't know. For Bring the energy. For you too. You know, it should be familiar. Yeah. Yes, I'm I here know. for that well, familiarity. Same. Yes. <laughs> But uh, no, Lana, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I know it's, you've, we've known each other for a while now since, uh, since I actually moved to Colorado. So 
Um, I'm really excited to actually have you on and for you to tell us your story. So, because I've heard it, but I, I don't think uh, KJ and Patrick have heard it. And of course, our listeners haven't heard it. So, um, like every show, feel free to start. Uh, and don't tell assume us. for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> they might know Lana. True, there, there are some listeners that are some local that do. know Lana. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> but go ahead and tell us as much or as little as you'd like about your story. Okay. Um, well, Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've been listening to you guys for a long time, so big fan. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as my story, um, it's, I think, pretty standard. I was born in Korea in 1981, um, just outside of Seoul, and adopted in 1983 um, to a family here in Colorado, so I've actually been here my entire life. Um, I think I had a probably pretty typical upbringing, had, you know, white Christian family, um, primarily white community. I did have a Korean aunt who was not related to me biologically. She's my mom's brother's wife. Um, but I was terrified of her. So, mm. um, did not, did not <laughs> connect with her or, you know, really connect to Korea through her very much. Um, so she's, she was, like, it makes it sound like she was like this really scary person. She was probably a very nice person. She, she was a very like typical Korean mother. So like super intense. And like, I just thought she was so mean to her kids and like so hard on her kids, but she was just, you know, a normal Korean mom, like <laughs> mm -hmm. trying to get her kids to be like, you know, productive. So uh, <laughs> the Asian tiger mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fully like super intimidating, just like really intense, but um, <laughs> like, wonderful person. And like, I regret now she passed away several years ago. I regret that I didn't take advantage of that opportunity to connect with Korea through her. But, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, I guess like a lot of people, um, my, to call it coming out of the fog moment was in 2021, the Atlanta shootings. And that was kind of when I discovered you guys, cause, um, I was just wanting to connect with, anything Korean, but also specifically Korean adoptees. Cause I just thought, you know, I've always felt like I was kind of the only one out here, but there's gotta be more of us. And then, mm. you know, found a whole lot of us. And that was really exciting to me. Um, it's, it's sad to me that it took as long as it did for me to get to this space and, um, that it took something so tragic for me to get here. But now that I'm here, I'm happy to be here. Well, I mean, luckily you found some of it uh, at all. I mean, because even when I was here back in Colorado, Colorado in college, I didn't look for it. And that was, I mean, it was the same thing. I just assumed that there might not have been a good gathering of people. But, uh, you know, as, as we both found out, I was wrong. There is, there's little groups and little pockets everywhere. I think you just have to, to reach out. Well, and I feel like for a lot of us, it does take, or I mean, for folks, I guess, pre-1990 and before. It mm -hmm. takes like some huge moment in your life, whether that be parenthood, whether that be a national ethnic racial tragedy or something going on in society to kind of push us in that direction. And it's not because it's that one thing, but it's been like a buildup of stuff. Like for me, like Atlanta was during my reclamation process, but it was because of a bunch of different things that were happening in the world that like set me up to be able to go on that journey. And I also wanted to say, don't blame you for not having not having went up to your aunt to kind of engage in that, because I would have not ever thought to go up to a Korean if I had a Korean relative or an Asian relative in any way, because like you I would have been intimidated. And two, like, how do you even articulate to them 
when you can't articulate to yourselves like what you're experiencing or why you have this fear or whatever it might be. You know, so I appreciate you sharing so much of your story with us and I'm excited to dive in. Um, my first question would be, did you ever have any inkling to start exploring any of your Korean identity specifically at all growing up or even after you maybe left the house, went to college and pursued things post 18, 21 years old? Uh, no, honestly, not at all. In fact, I kind of actively pushed it away. And I know, um, like my adoptive family, my adoptive mom, especially like she used to try to kind of push me to connect with my Korean aunt and be like, you know, you have this in common. And I was just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just like you. Mm. Like, I'm not like her. She's scary. <laughs> like, mm. I'm normal. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, no, I kind of avoided it. And I think there was a lot of, you know, that imposter syndrome, that feeling of, first of all, like I shouldn't have to learn about it. Like if it mm. is really a part of me, I should just know it. Um, and then also just kind of this feeling of like, if I open this door and start to learn about being Korean at all, um, I'm, I'm going to let someone down. Like, I'm just never going to know enough. I'm never going to be able to learn enough. Um, and I didn't also, I just didn't want to identify that way. I didn't want to identify as Asian. I just wanted to be white like everybody else and, mm. you know, fit in like everybody else. And so, yeah, I think there were a lot of reasons that, um, I avoided making any connection with my Korean side until I got quite a lot older. But, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I completely resonate. Actively did the same things as you, uh, mm -hmm. actively rejected that identity, actively moved out of the way of anything Asian, because it made me uncomfortable. And for mm -hmm. lack of a better term, it felt foreign to me. Like, oh, you know, yeah. I was like you were saying, like, I'm normal, you know, and my, yeah. my <laughs> yeah. is not You're like, normal. no, There's I'm the normal one here. That's what I, I, I had similar, similar feelings. So I can definitely resonate, you know, with that feeling of active rejection. And again, mm -hmm. like it then because you become so foundational to who you are, it takes like a huge thing like in Atlanta, like a pandemic to force mm -hmm. you into, or maybe not even force you, but to unlock the barrier to be able mm -hmm. to start having that conversation with yourself. Yeah. No, I think yeah, the like pandemic, uh, it, you know, forced people to spend so much time by themselves and mm. we weren't able to just like surround ourselves with whatever we wanted to identify with. So we really did have to like sit down and think about like, who am I and where do I fit in? Because yeah. we tried every other thing to not think about and be like, well, yeah. I've exhausted all other options. <laughs> yeah. It's also funny too that you were like, because I totally get it. I think my my parents uh, and probably to some extent myself growing up would be like, oh, you should go talk to this person. Uh, oh, definitely some of my <laughs> some of my, my friends, my wife friends growing up. But they'd be like, oh, you should go talk to this person. They're Asian. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, you should go meet this person. They're Korean. They're <laughs> but like, could you imagine introducing <laughs> any white person to another white person and be like, yeah. They're white. They're that racist. They'd be like, where do we, where do we, okay, cool. So, <laughs> so yeah. Oh man, yeah. it's so funny. But like what you said too, of just fearing that if you got into anything, like any Asian conversation or something, you, you would have that imposter syndrome of not knowing how to connect or not knowing what to say. Um, yeah. Definitely something that I did is I didn't want to do much because all I knew was, you know, what I learned in, you know, a few books in the Britannica encyclopedia, mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't know anything about Korean culture. So yeah, yeah, I was 
definitely not interested in in interacting with anyone who was Korean because um, I would just feel like, yeah they're, they're eventually going to figure me out like yeah, you know right. I, I could start off sounding like I know what I'm talking about and then they're going to ask me the wrong question and I'm just going to be like oh yeah no I'm an idiot I don't know anything yeah I think all I knew <laughs> was there was a know. north there's a north <laughs> and a south that's all I know <laughs> When did you start filmmaking? Uh, 2019. So December of 2019. Were you um, always was, involved in that industry or was this like a creative outlet that kind of came about, I guess, pre-pandemic then? Uh, well, so I was actually working in the hospital. Uh, my husband okay. is a wildlife photographer and he was working with a company that um, was starting to get into like kind of the 360 virtual reality world. Um, and he pitched an idea to them to go to Florida and make a film about manatees. And he was like, do you want to come? And I was like, sure. So I went on my vacation from the hospital. We made a film about manatees together. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Like, I never want to go back to the hospital. This is what I want to do for work. And so, um, yeah, I quit the hospital like right before the pandemic, which sounds really horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The timing of it just sounds really awful. But um, I did offer to go back. They said they didn't need me. So. Um, yeah. And you're like, great. Uh, I wasn't really offering. I just felt like I needed to. I was like, if it gets that bad, let let me know. But, um, it just seems to be the ethical choice, but I don't want to be that person. (laughs) I want to make films. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we weren't making films though. I mean, it was 2020. Nobody was going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I think there was no reason for me not to go back. Oh, you mean you weren't doing the Bo Burnham thing? (laughs) We (laughs) know. Um, so the reason I asked that question, and I apologize if it seemed like it came out of nowhere, um, is because I feel like I've met a lot of adoptees who dabbled in some sort of creative project or outlet, even growing up, even if it wasn't something professional, just something that they were always interested in. Was filmmaking something, and, and, and I asked that, and I, I find it very interesting because I feel like, especially being part of this wave who came to consciousness during the pandemic, like we have all of these now new creative outlets to share. And like a bunch of us are doing like really awesome, incredible things to tell our stories, to reclaim that narrative. Did you, were you ever interested from a creative standpoint in in doing things like this growing up? And do you feel like, do you feel like storytelling in the way that you've been doing it specifically with animals has fueled your drive to want to, understand and and reclaim your own story? So I will say growing up, um, I've always, I like, I've always loved movies. I've always loved entertainment. I've always, um, thought it would be fun to be involved in, involved in it in some way. Um, definitely my, my family was like, absolutely not. That is not the sort of thing a nice Christian girl gets into, not that kind of industry. Uh, (laughs) so it wasn't really ever an option that was on the table for me. Um, I Mm. hadn't really ever thought about getting into filmmaking, filmmaking in general, or filmmaking, working with wildlife up until, um, I just kind of tagged along with my husband on this trip and realized that it was just a really great fit for me. Um, I have found since getting into it that there are a lot of stories that I would love to tell, um, and, specifically kind of some aspects of my story that I would love to tell. Um, I'm still very new into this industry and still very new into this space of kind of embracing my identity as a a person of color and as a Korean American. And, you know, I feel like the language isn't there and the experience isn't there. And I just feel like, you know, can I really do this subject matter justice at this point? Um, But I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of simmering on the back burner for me that, 
um, you know, I just kind of try to take notes every now and then, write things down when I have ideas and someday maybe it'll coalesce into something meaningful. I don't know. <laughs> Love it. Well, what about the travel part of it? Cause I know you've taken a lot of trips, a lot of, um, you know, gone to some pretty amazing places. Um, how has that helped you or I guess, how is that meaningful to you? Um, do you get, uh, I mean, as far as your like just culture and seeing other cultures and things like that? Cause that was one thing for me is I really liked to travel and maybe my parents took me to a lot of different places, um, outside of any Asian countries cause it was kind of too far away, I guess, but they took me to other more, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Canada, Mexico, the Bahamas, you know, places that were still had some culture that was not my own. And I think I really enjoyed that to the point where I finally was old enough in college and stuff. I tried to travel as much as possible. So I'd go to Europe and Asia and things like that on my own. Um, do you find, uh, you know, what do you find, I guess, uh, uh, when you go on these trips, do you enjoy, that aspect of it, seeing that, that level of it, feeling, you know, American or Korean, you know, I mean, when you're on these trips. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I love traveling and I do like to see other places and I have enjoyed getting to see just the way other people live in other countries. And it's not something I got to do a lot of growing up. My family didn't, I mean, Canada was the furthest my family ever traveled. And so, um, and I, you know, I haven't, I haven't been any, I haven't been like super, super crazy places. So it hasn't been like, um, I'm trying to think of like, what does they like, how to say, I mean, most of the places we've gone are they're, they're pretty first world. Like they're, you know, we're, we're not like sleeping in the dirt and worrying about malaria in most of the places that I've been. Um, so, but there is kind of a, ironically, a part of me that likes being able to go somewhere and keep my mouth shut and not have people recognize immediately that I'm American. Um, which, right now, uh, well, and especially kind of during in the past five or six years or so, um, it was kind of nice to not have people immediately look at me and think, Oh, she's American. And to just Mm -hmm. be able to kind of fly under the radar that way. Um, but, uh, traveling within the United States, um, I think I have more fear traveling in America than I ever have before. And that's, a new experience for me because it's just not something I ever really thought about before. Um, hmm. Yeah. And so then, coming to the the I guess the the last part of my question, how did you feel when you were in Korea? Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> so what I've been explained the way I've been explaining it to people is I think that the mechanism that allows me to identify emotions has been broken. <laughs> because I just like, there's, there is just so much going on while we were there, especially there was so much going on. Um, I, I would not be able to sum it up in one word. Um, it was definitely a very life changing experience. Um, I think I, I came back from it with, um, kind of a lot of negativity attached to it, which was surprising to me. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't really talk about coming back from Korea. It's like, Oh, it was the most amazing experience of my life. And, um, for me, it definitely was, it was amazing, but there was also a a lot of sadness and kind of resentment and, and, and just bitterness attached to it, um, alongside all of the good things. Cause there was a lot of good as well. 
you don't like leading with, oh, it was hard because people expect to hear like, it was amazing. And you're like, I don't want to get into it. So <laughs> sure, it was amazing. Leave me alone. Um, I, I want to get into, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I want to get into your, your time in Korea, but uh, I'm more curious about if you, if you don't mind going back to this and I totally say no, um, what the the timeline was for your trip to Korea and what led up to deciding to go. Um, what I have heard you say was that you weren't super into Koreanness or adoptionness until um, the Atlanta shootings. And so what, what did that event trigger for you in terms of like, oh, I think I need to figure some things out. Um, that event for me, so the Atlanta shooting specifically, um, that was kind of the moment that I was like, oh, right, I'm Korean. That's mm -hmm. me. That's my people. Um, and so, uh, in terms of how that tied into wanting to go to Korea, I mean, so when I was like, okay, I'm Korean, I can embrace this identity. Like, this is a part of me. This is something that like, I can't hide it. So I should just be it. And, um, <laughs> so that kind of started off and I was like, all right, I'm going to start reading up on Korean history. I'm going to start reading up on the history of adoption. I'm going to learn how to cook some of the foods. I'm going to, you know, just try to anything that I can associate with being Korean. I'm just going to see what I can learn about. Um, and, uh, in terms of making the decision to go to Korea, um, I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel like the decision was made for me a little bit. Mm. Oh, really? Um, so I kind of thought, you know, well, what do you, what's the next thing you do? Like, what would be a thing to do? I should probably go to Korea before I get a whole lot older. Um, I, so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So I did a birth family search in 2021. I sent the paperwork in June. Um, I was adopted through Eastern. I'm going to throw this out there for anybody else who was adopted through Eastern. They're not going to talk to you first before they start sending letters to anybody that they might happen to find. So, um, I filled out this paperwork thinking, I just want to see if there's anybody alive in Korea that's related to me. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to meet them. I don't want to end up on like an awkward zoom call. I just want to see if there's anybody alive. And then I can think about whether or not I, I want to meet them. And then, you know, five weeks later, I got this email from Eastern being like, oh, we sent your birth mother a letter. And I was like, did you want to tell me that I have one to start? You know, um, so it kind of, I don't know, snowballed into this whole thing. It's a long story, but um, I actually thought that they had mixed my file up with somebody else's file because I was just like, wow, they they weren't communicating with me at all. So this they must have meant this to be for somebody else. Um, but it did turn out to be my birth mother in 2021. She told them that she didn't want to have any contact and, you know, that stung. I was like, I didn't necessarily want to meet her, but having her not want to meet me, like that's kind yeah. of, that's hurtful. Um, but I was kind of like, that's okay. Cause that's, you know, I didn't really want to meet her at that time anyway. So I set it aside. I didn't really think about it again. Um, but I did think to myself, I want to see Korea. I, I want to visit it before I get too much older. I just want to see what it's like. Um, so I applied for a couple of tours through groups. I actually applied for the one that you went on uh, last year, Patrick. <laughs> and oh, the get okay in. tour? 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, did not get accepted. And I was kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't know what I need to do. Um, and I applied for a different trip at, through an organization called Me in Korea. And I applied um, last fall, never thinking that I was actually going to get accepted to go on this trip. And um, so I was actually quite surprised when I got the phone call in January saying that they had um, selected me to go on that trip. So that was kind of how Korea came about. I was just sort of like, I'll apply for this because I'm sure I won't actually get on it. And then I did. And I was like, well, now I have to go. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and I'm glad I did. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And I commend you for even choosing to go because you said that you felt like the decision was not yours to go. And I feel like I got, I was tracking that up until after your birth mom said that she didn't want to have contact And then it feels like you made the decision, like, I'm going to go anyways. And I think that's super commendable because (laughs) I think if I got that information, I probably wouldn't go because Mm. that's like, that's a double rejection that I just don't care for Mm -hmm. and or personally. And I would, I don't know. I think it, I would be really hard for me to feel like I ever was making that decision to go anyways. And I realized like you had talked about, you know, like your age was a, a, a factor you know there were other things you just want to go back and see and i do feel like that's like a piece of reclamation like you making that decision because it's like in spite of this really shitty news that you didn't even care if you had gotten anyways like you know like you said you know it wasn't the time of it wasn't the timing for you to go meet her anyways like it wasn't even what you wanted to do just have the information and then she made that decision for you and then it feels like you made the decision then to be like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go anyways. I think a little part of me was kind of like, well, if there's not any worry that I'm going to have to meet family, like this is the time to go. Sure. I was like, mm-hmm. I want to go see Korea without that added stress <laughs> of meeting birth family and navigating that and, and anticipating that. And so it was kind of like, okay, I got let off the hook on this really big thing. So I better get over there and see Korea while I can do it on my own terms, um, which didn't really work out as it turned out. So, because I did end up meeting my birth mom while I was out there. Oh. Yeah. All right. Do you mind sharing like how that even ended up coming about? If you want, totally don't have to. Um, sure. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. So, um, going back to Eastern and their kind of their lack of communication with people. Cons- Con- the lack of <laughs> agency. They're just like, here yeah. we go. We're going to do this for you. Like, yeah. hold up a second. It's like, nobody asked you, Patrice. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm going to say, like, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, like, I'm going to talk in circles and it's probably not going to make a whole lot of sense because I had just so many conflicting emotions and feelings about the information that's been getting thrown at me. Um, and I've just gone back and forth between, like, oh, this is terrible. And like, oh, this is kind of great. And then, uh, no, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So if it, if I'm not making a lot of sense, that's why <laughs> you're making yeah, for the timeline. Me, so. it, just, like, it was like three months ago. Correct. So, the, with, uh, the trip. so okay. yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the trip was in, yeah, the trip was in end of May, beginning of June. Yeah. So um, it was fairly recent, but yeah, still some time to process. Yeah, exactly. Um, so as a part of the paperwork for this trip with me and Korea, they have you send in release paperwork to have your files opened at your adoption agency. Mm. Um, so I sent in all the exact, cause I was about to board a boat to be a hundred miles out to sea 
for a week. And I was like, I'm oh, not I thought you were going to say, I'm about to board a boat to Korea. I'm like, <laughs> why would you pick no. a boat? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hold up a second. Now we got to go back to this part. I'm yeah, going back to like, old school. I want to find the Northwest Passage. We're like, no. <laughs> I just wanted to take as long as I could to yeah. be there. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was about to be like way out of reception. So I was like, I'm just going to send the paperwork I have already sent. Um, I'm not going to like refill out all of this paperwork. So I just took all those files and sent them into me in Korea. And I think I attached a note, something along the lines of like, I did this in 2021. My birth mother doesn't want anything to do with me. I'm okay with that. Let's just leave it where it is. Like, I, I don't need to like, don't look for my family. Um, Literally said, do not do this. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they only saw the do. Not the <laughs> I, so I don't blame them for this. I don't think I was as clear as I could have been in the email because a little part of me is a, was afraid. And this is, I don't think this is how they operate. I was afraid that they were going to be like, well, if you don't want to find your birth family, we'll find somebody who does and we'll just replace mm. you on the trip. And so I kind of just like was kind of like throwing these hints out there. Like, sure, you don't, sure, need to sure, do sure. This. don't put yourself out on my account kind of thing. Um, but they did, they turned that paperwork in and I got an email uh, in like April before we were about to go on this trip saying your aunt who, so she, the person listed as my birth mother on my adoption paperwork was actually my aunt. And so they had actually been contacting her oh. and she decided that she wanted to meet me. And I was kind of like, well, crap, like I didn't really want to, uh, but okay. So I thought about it for a week, um, and decided that there was probably a reason this woman wants to meet me. So I agreed to meet her. And then the founder of me in Korea asked to have a meeting with me and we got on a Zoom call and she said, so your aunt has told your birth mother that you're coming and she feels really bad about not seeing you or like not talking to you two years ago. She feels very guilty, but she would like to meet you on this trip. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. And then she said, and also your uncle, who is your mom's brother and, um, and your aunt obviously wants to be there. And then she said, and you have two brothers and they want to meet you as well. And so I was kind of like, wow. Okay. So, um, really only thought about it for a few hours. Um, I was really excited to hear that I have brothers cause I've always thought that I had a brother. Um, I couldn't say why, um, and it turned out I had two. So I was <laughs> really excited about that. Um, so I told her that I would meet them. And then had like a, a month long panic attack until I went to Korea. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, they planned for me to meet them like the, the morning that, so the tour started on a Thursday evening. They had me meet my birth family that morning, um, like right before the tour started. And as it turned out, it ended up being, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Hey, here's a pre-tour activity for you. Full reunion. Pre-tour activity. And, uh, <laughs> Flew on Wednesday afternoon, met my family Thursday morning. So it was a lot. Um, wow. Yeah. But uh, as it turned out, it was just my birth mom and my uncle in the meeting. Mm. So, yeah. Um, which was still more than enough to to deal with. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I can't remember if I answered the last question. That I'm going to be honest, I'm not even sure I remember what my question was. <laughs> there were a lot of twists and turns and I just think our last question part. was, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. you, I mean, do you mind? So, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, like, thinking on that meeting now, uh, without getting into specifics, net positive, net negative, net neutral, like, where are you at with that right now? And is that different than how you felt immediately afterwards? Um. So right now, net positive. 
Um, I feel, I feel good about what happened. Um, at the time I, like if you'd asked me immediately after I would have said it went really well, it went really great. My uncle and my birth mom were both very, very sweet. Um, I didn't talk a lot cause I just had, I was just so overwhelmed by what was going on. I literally could not form words, <laughs> could not think of questions, couldn't think of things to say. Um, but overall, like I felt, felt like it went really well. Um, I did end up just really, so they said that they wanted to introduce me to more of my family. And so the following Thursday, a week later was a kind of a free day on the tour and they wanted to take me on a day trip to meet more of my family and Saturday night rolled around and I had just this massive panic attack and tried to leave the tour because I was just so freaked out about the idea of being trapped in a car with these virtual strangers for an entire day. And mm. they don't speak any English. I don't speak any Korean. And, um, you know, the translation apps are just, they're terrible. So, um, I was just really freaked out about it. I was like literally in the process of trying to change my flight and, um, was talking to one of the tour leaders and she was just like, you know, wh what's happening? Like, what, what do we need to do to make you feel like you can stay? And I was like, I, honestly, like, I am so stressed out about spending this entire day with my birth family. And she was like, you know, it's okay. We'll just tell them that you're going to be busy and we, you know, we won't force you to, to spend that time with them. And then, you know, I felt like, okay, that's great. I can stay. But then I also felt like the worst person on the face of the planet, <laughs> you know, um, for foregoing on that opportunity. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, that that's very overwhelming. Uh, I mean, I felt very overwhelmed just on the three days that I was going to be there for the very same reasons of not being able to communicate, not really knowing these these family members. Um, knowing that they were going to be introducing me to, to people that were related to me, but again, still felt like complete strangers to me, even though they may have known about me this entire time. Uh, it just, it definitely was, uh, overwhelming and at some level, I don't know, I felt kind of, um, like I was being paraded around and like, like, Hey, look here, he's here, he's back. <laughs> this is, you know, um, our long lost brother. But, um, but again, it wasn't because they weren't nice. They were definitely, mm -hmm. I, I think, doing it for the right reasons of just wanting to reconnect. Uh, it just was scary to me. And, and I felt, I, I felt awkward a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I actually thought about you a lot because I was kind of like, oh, this is, this sounds a lot like what Nathan went through, but I was like, but well, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> like Ultimately I was like, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm not Nathan. I don't think I can put myself through that. Well, so, I think it's good to like, <laughs> I mean, if I can assume some things like just knowing the privilege of being in reunion and for you to be like, yeah, I mean, I, and I turned that down, I think there's enough reason to, to feel kind of bad about that. But also, again, like Patrick said, I think it's super commendable in this journey where you have had so much agency taken away from you <laughs> besides the, the like literally like being adopted part, uh, <laughs> but like like the the adoption agency making choices for you the tour making choices for you your your birth family making choices for you and for you to be like i thought i was going to be able to go to korea and have like zero emotional labor 
see some sights, eat some food, cool, <laughs> sit on a bench, you know, whatever. And then here I'm being thrown into this situation that I wasn't prepared for that I don't know that anyone can really be prepared for. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's really powerful and, and freeing to say, no, I don't think I can do this. And I'm I'm sure that your feelings on that decision will change and it might be net positive some days and net negative other days and net neutral most of the time. But <laughs> I think it's good even for other adoptees who are thinking about it and for other, uh, you know, friends, uh, or allies or parents, you know, on the adoption mosaic, uh, to be thinking about it to be like, this is so much. Mm-hmm. And if you can't deal with that, like, I can't imagine the amount of harm it would do to be forced into reunion and, feel like you weren't ready for it and what you'd have to live with otherwise, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we can't know. Um, but I think, I mean, for me sitting here, listening to you talk about it, I think you made the right call. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you had the, the, the wherewithal to be like, you know, I think I need to protect myself a little bit mm-hmm. and take my ship back to America. I just know that was your choice. Whoa, it's a robot? That's a long journey. I just want to uh, 100% agree with everything KJ just said. And I will just add and, and reiterate that I think it's super important for other adoptees listening to hear this specific experience because... And I've just been harping on this shit for a long, long time. We have not been the authors of our stories. And mm-hmm. just because we enter reunion doesn't mean we give that away. And when we finally get it back, when we start to reclaim, when we find acceptance, just because we can, it's a, again, like KJ called it a privilege to be able to enter into reunion when so many people may never get that opportunity. And it it's too much. It's too much. And it's always your journey. And that's something that gets lost. And that's something that gets told is not ours so often by so many people. And we don't have a ton of models of folks who are like, Hey, this is overwhelming and I'm not going to do it because I need to protect my space. I need to protect my health and my well being, And this is not the time or the place for me to do this. And I think there are, many people in our community who would have a hard time understanding that because of I because the pull of like wanting to reunite is so strong and it feels like oh how could you do that and it's like at the end of the day I just want to affirm you in making that decision as KJ did in that it's super powerful to hear because like we all experience it differently and you never know when you're going to go through that like high anxiety moment of something like that and how you're going to react. And it's okay if you got to step away. And don't let anybody tell you different. I'm just talking to the general audience now, (laughs) you specifically, but the general audience, like do not let anybody adopted or otherwise tell you differently that you did that wrong because you got to do what's best for yourself. And so that's all I wanted to say and just say thank you again (laughs) because I thought it's super important. I really appreciated that you shared that and I really appreciated everything that KJ said and just wanted to affirm all of that. Uh, thank you. Um, I mean, I will say like everybody that I've said anything to about this, um, they've been incredibly supportive and definitely the only person who's saying, oh, you maybe made the wrong choice was me. But um, going back to what KJ said, you know, it, it did have a lot to do with me feeling like my autonomy was being taken from me, like my my ability to choose was being taken from me. And my whole reason of wanting to go on this trip was to connect with myself as a Korean woman and 
see what that meant for me. And I could just see that uh, opportunity kind of being taken away from me. And um, as it turned out, you know, I, I didn't spend that second Thursday with my birth family. I actually spent that day completely by myself in Seoul hmm. um, and like figured out how to navigate the subway system and, you know, like went into places and like ordered coffee by myself. I had lunch by myself and hmm. um, like went all, all over the city by myself. And it was really the best day of the tour for me. Um, as much as I loved everybody that I met, I mean, made so many amazing friends on this tour, but just having that day by myself to just blend in and keep my mouth shut. Cause you know, people don't talk on the subway in Korea, but <laughs> everybody on the tour, <laughs> like we, we were all talking on the subway. I was like, everybody knows that we're not like <laughs> Korean. Transportation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. we're getting those dirty looks in the elevator. <laughs> One point we're in the elevator, there was like this delivery guy in the back with like his hands over his ears and I just felt so bad. But like that day <laughs> that I got to spend by myself, like I got to be quiet on the subway and just blend in, like stare at my phone like everybody else. Like I was staring at the subway map, but nobody else was, but they didn't need to know that. So, right. you know, got to kind of pretend to just be there and blend and, and you know, be Korean for a day. And that was one of the most empowering experiences I've ever had. So I was literally just about to say empowering, like Mm -hmm. how empowering is that? You know? Yeah. So much. Um, this is actually a question for, for both Lana and Patrick and I guess Nathan, because you've been back in your adulthood. Um, did moments like that make it feel like, you know, I could be okay here. Not like in a, in like a, I want to move and I would like totally survive and like all that stuff. But just the idea of like spending a day and navigating that space and be like, did that like open a door to the alternate reality of yourself where you're like, you know, I think I would have been okay. And you're like able to look across the door back at yourself and be like, and I'm okay too. Is that like a thing? Am I, am I too in my head about that? Or like, does that resonate with y'all at all about how you were feeling about moments like that? Yes and no. Um, because, you know, I'd look around, I, I, I think for me, it was kind of like, if I go back and go by myself or just go with my husband, like, I think I would be able to navigate Korea. I feel like I'd be able to navigate Seoul and probably have a great time and feel very safe. Um, but looking around at Seoul and at every part of Korea that we visited, I was always in my mind kind of like, is this what I would have grown up with? Is this what yeah. it would have been like for me? And looking around, I know that what they have going on now, that would not have been my reality. Um, Mm. you know, Korea, when I was born, like very, very poor and still a lot of political unrest. And, um, my family in particular, I think was probably quite poor. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't have been living, you know, the kind of life where I could just go into the coffee shop and order myself a coffee in Seoul. Uh, my life would have been a lot of hard work and poverty. And so, Yeah. Yeah, uh, 100% similar, I would say, yes, in the sense that in all of those same ways, like you go into the coffee shop and you have a good time. And yeah, I could definitely see myself just having been okay here had I been here my whole life. And also just being aware and cognizant of the systemic issues that exist in the country and realizing that, oh, the Korea I'm experiencing right now is not the Korea that everybody experiences. And would almost assuredly not have been the experience that I had. And like the places that I was going and the, in the areas that I was frequenting, like I probably wouldn't be in frequenting those areas very much. Like that would be like, that would be like, Oh shit, we going to the mall today. Like that's like a a big, like real awesome thing that's happening. Not, and I'm, I'm there every day, you know, when I was there, uh, 
the other day or the other the other day just dropping one gangnam style hands um, <laughs> but yeah like it, it, it's a yes and no and and it's i think it was i don't know it's hard to say like a resounding yes like i wrote about like you know it was, it was tough to leave because i did feel like those doors to the alternate reality opened up and also you can't and also, I think it's really difficult to divorce what your life already is and mm-hmm. to insert yourself into the alternate reality because there's so much context that's not there that you have to just assume that we already are assuming because we're adopted and we don't have the yeah. full context of our own histories. Yeah. You know, and it's just like you can I actually talked to Rick Allen about this, like you can play the alternate hypothetical game, but it just it, at the end of the day, it probably does more harm than good because it's really easy to get caught up in that and get caught mm-hmm. up in the negative emotions mm-hmm. and it's really hard. I feel like to find the pot to pull the positive out and it outweigh the negative. And so, yeah, I, th- I think it's just, it, it's tough. It's tough. I think, but I think it's, yes and no. The thing that's interesting to me is because I've heard a number of people on the show, off the show recount like those little moments, those moments of solitude of like just being in Korea being really important. And so maybe like maybe door is too big of an opening. <laughs> Uh, like maybe it's like a better to be like a, a window or, you know, some type of thing like, like snapshot. But I think the, the, the sense that I capture and, and I, I guess I must've experienced it when I was younger. Uh, but, and like kind of like re-experienced through other people talking about their trips back to Korea is like, like you, you know, you said, Lana, you, you went trying to reconnect with Koreanness, explore what it meant to be a Korean woman. And I think that in those small ways, whatever the alternate reality is, I think it's, especially as adoptees, it's really easy to be like, oh, is this what my life would have been like if I was there? But I think there's also a world where like, is this what my life could be like if I had Korean parents and I was still mm. Korean American? Like, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? Like where there's, it's less about like the alternate version being true as it is about like becoming one with your own Koreanness and and being okay with that in a way that's like different than going online and reading about the history of Korea, different than like eating the food, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But like that, like moving through the space and feeling like not so fish out of watery helps you. Maybe at least for for me, helps me feel okay in my own skin. Like I don't have to feel quite as fish out of watery like i've done it in america and i've done it in korea and like so it like begins to kind of marry this rift that we have i don't know like mm-hmm. that's i think that's why i asked the question less about like the the alternate alternate reality of it but more about mm-hmm. like what those small moments mean and why korea or whatever place like it doesn't necessarily have to be korea korea but like whatever place can like bring that wholeness that i think we all search mm-hmm. for yeah i always refuse to say like you know people will be like well do you think your life in america was better or don't you think that your life in korea would have been better if you'd stayed there and i refuse to say whether i think either reality would have been better or worse just that they would have been different different yep yeah you know? because to say that <laughs> growing yeah. up in privilege in america I, I can't say that that's necessarily better because it's making the assumption that being raised in a white community by a white family in a culture that isn't my own is but, you know, with with food and education, but that that's better than being to grow up in a in potentially in poverty, potentially without education, potentially being hungry. But with it, a, a true sense of identity and belonging and self. And so I can't say that one is better than the other. 
Yeah. Just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I didn't have anything to add to that. Cause I actually, when I was in Korea, did not have any moments of solitude. Actually. <laughs> um, I literally I was, was afraid with, of. I know I was, and that's why I'm a, I'm a little jealous of that, that little, your story and of, of Patrick going for an entire week before his conference. Um, I, I didn't get any of that. I was three days max, ma- maximum amount of time with, you know, my, my family and they were just taking me around everywhere. I never really had a moment of, of just myself walking around. And I, I, I wish I had, and I wish that's the one thing that I want. If I go back is I want more moments, uh, of, of me walking around like that, feeling like I can blend in or seeing if I could even blend in or, or just observing, because I do enjoy that part of, 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 uh, traveling is observing the culture and looking and just not saying anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think that's, uh, that's definitely something I, I wish I had had. Uh, a chance to do, but you would be giving yourself away because you'd be popping a dad joke probably every twenty minutes. Half <laughs> yeah, but no one will laugh because they street. don't speak. No one's <laughs> laughing. No, he's like, he's like, I'll just, just be I, quiet and listen. And I'm like, well, you got that joke coming. I know. <laughs> I just make a joke and just start laughing to myself. And it would be like, like oh, what is that guy doing? Is he crazy? Yeah, just sitting crazy. in the corner. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just remember like one of my weird, insane core memories of my trip to Korea was swimming at the hotel pool. And it was like one of the only times that I was by myself because I went with my parents and it was on a tour. So one of the only times that I was by myself and some random uh, Ajashi was like, you swim good. And I was like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and that's it. But it was the same thing where it was like, it was just a calm, it was just me in the pool and it was yeah. like really, really nice. But I get moments of that. Uh, maybe I'm just like, this is just how my brain works. So maybe I'm just prone to this, but I get moments of that too. Like being in like LA Koreatown, being in like Dallas Koreatown, like being honestly just like eating Korean barbecue sometimes, or, you know, like things like that, where I think that, 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 that feeling is achievable without going to Korea, without even being in super Korean spaces. Sometimes it happens to be in a great clips, <laughs> like, you know, um, <laughs> but I think that, so, but it is, I think just that that kind of work to being, I guess not even work, but just being open to having those things begin to heal, having those disparate identities come mm-hmm. together. Um, where, where are you now with your Asian-ness, Korean-ness, woman-ness, adopted-ness, et cetera? <laughs> um, it changes every day, to be honest. Um, I think I'm, I'm definitely a lot more willing to talk about being Korean. Mm. Um, I tend to lead with being Korean over leading with being adopted now, mm. which is very new. Um, so I guess feeling a little bit more secure in that way. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything in particular that you're really interested in learning about or inspired by right now? Um, right now I am kind of digging a little deeper into Korean history because as it turns out, it's, really interesting, like super badass. Um, we spent an afternoon at the Hangul Museum in Korea, which if you don't know the history of Hangul, it's just like one of the most amazing stories. Kim Sejong. The, or yes, exactly. Sejong. About the origin of a language um, that just, I think is so fascinating. And I think that Korean history is just full of those kinds of stories. And so um, just kind of doing a little reading. Um, I try to, I try to cook a fair amount and just kind of, um, there's no such thing as making a small amount of Korean food, though. So that's kind of... That's the truth. That, that can very be prohibitive. <laughs> um, Lana's yeah. an excellent, excellent cook. you got to be family <laughs> four in those meals, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
yeah. Oh, go ahead. What sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I don't even remember what I was going to say. So. Dang, I feel really bad because what I'm about to say is <laughs> it was just a joke. I was just going to say, first off, I was going to caveat by saying that every country and person, people's and histories or every country and people's histories is very important and very rich and full. But I'm like, could you imagine if you were like, I want to explore my history and it was just the dullest thing that you ever read? Because <laughs> you were like talking about how it's so interesting and I'm like, it made me think, I'm like, could you imagine if you like looked at your place uh, place of origins history and you're just like, man, it's like, this is we so We nothing going on. <laughs> like, well, you know, for me, for me, I had this moment like early on where I was like, well, I want to learn about like the origins of Korea. Because what, what I did 23andMe and found out that I had like 0.3% Siberian DNA, which I was mm. like, that's weird. And then doing a little reading found out that they think that some of the original Koreans were people who had migrated down from Siberia down to the peninsula during the Bronze Age. And I was like, that is really interesting. That's super cool. Like my bloodline could potentially be traced back to the original Koreans. Probably not, but you know. So then I was like, well, I want to find out like the founding of Korea. So I Googled like origins of Korea and it started with a myth of like, you know, the God of the heavens and like his son and how, you know, read that the myth. first Korean came to be. And I was like, my history starts with gods. Like it's so <laughs> old that it starts with mythology. I'm used to like American history. It's like in 1492, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, this, I mean, that's so cool. That is um, super cool. I didn't know yeah. that, and I'm excited. And also, I'm going to say that you you are descended from those folks, like yeah. because we don't know you're adopted. Yeah. We don't have that lineage. I'm tracing you all the way back to the original Siberian Koreans. Sweet, all the Sweet. way back. You it's get like that. my husband. My husband, who's like uh, Scottish German, he, he his family has traced their roots back to Adam and Eve. So, oh, classic. Hey, let's yeah. <laughs> I have heard Me they too. were white people. So. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yep. I did that see tracks. a book once that they were white. I've seen pictures of Jesus, white. and they <laughs> tell me anything. Yeah, they're white. The story's somewhere uh, about that. They're white yeah. as heaven. Classically uh, Midwestern Christian people, you know. So. Um, are there any foods that you're like, you're like, oh, man, I love this in Korea. I'm excited to have this here. Or like, you're like I don't know. Do you have any like food cravings after going and being back? Um, so I will be, I, I will say I'm probably kind of an outlier because I enjoyed the food in Korea, but I was not one of those people who was like, oh, this is what my body has been craving my entire life. I was like, it's mm. all right. I like it. I like mine better. Um, but I did like the- <laughs> like, you know what else okay. is good? Mac and cheese. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> um, I had kalguksu at one point and it was like, it was a rainy day and it had been a really hard day and it was just like the most pure chicken noodle soup that you could ever have. Mm. And that I'm like, I would never be able to replicate that here. Um, mm. So that was definitely one of the, the most memorable meals for me. Speaking right of food, I'm anxious to see our, our creations coming up uh, in the food portion here. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's do it. All right, let's do it. Great. <laughs> the most direct. Patrick, that could have been the most. <laughs> I, I know KJ was KJ was hinting at like, yeah, the I was transition. Like, hey, I was just going to go straight for it. easy thing. And then Patrick was like, let's go. And he's like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought somebody was going to do a smoother transition. Nobody did. So I'm like, all right. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. This is where we eat a snack. All right, that's a new one. That's a I new like one. It. You're welcome. Yeah, I thought I'd throw something else. But <laughs> this one's with special. Low energy after that hard yeah, left turn. This, this, is, <laughs> this is not just we're eating a snack. We made a snack. Well, some of us made a snack. We made snacks. Some of us <laughs> have Yeah, facts. I guess not all of us. Snacks. Not all we of should us. call this snacks or facts. 
Snacks oh, and facts. Segment. What about snacks Ooh. and facts? Mm. Snacks and facts. Yes. Okay. Snacks yeah, and we facts. We say and, not but, Nathan. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. My point. <laughs> that was my, yes. So what snack are we having? Everyone's wondering, I'm sure. Uh, we are going to go with something very traditional, which is uh, gochugaru, which is um, the red pepper flakes that is so flavorful in kimchi and in and so many other dishes. Um, gochu means pepper and garu means uh, of the flakes. Lord. No, it means <laughs> flakes. So it just means pepper flakes. Right? Gochu means chili, I think, according to my book. Chili or pepper. It's just, it's, yeah. I don't same. think they're the same thing. I think they're the same thing. Are they the chili, same thing? Chili I think is chili a is a pepper, but I don't think pepper is chili. <laughs> All right, I'm going to the Google. You go to Google. But <laughs> as far as I know, it means pepper flakes. But it is made from a, a Korean red pepper and dried and, yes, turned into a flake. So you can pepper use it for all chili plants have two totally different genuses. Boom. <laughs> Google. Okay, this source is twistedtaco.com. I'm not sure if I believe it. <laughs> I don't know. How I think know something about is. this. That's yeah. the first one that came up. <laughs> yeah, they started calling them chili peppers when, like, the European mm-hmm. um, explorers came to the Americas and found chilies and were calling them peppers because they associated, like, that spiciness with, like, mm-hmm. Asian pepper. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. I see. Uh-huh. I see. I see. Okay. I might have made that up. I don't know. I feel like I read that somewhere. <laughs> you could have made it up. I would have believed you. 100%. <laughs> well, um, well, that was my one fact. No. Okay, that was your one fact. That was my so, one fact. So I'm reading, gonna play out of, out. I'm reading out of the Korean vegan cookbook because I did not have oh, time to get that any flakes or time to get any gochujang, the mm, sauce. Sure. And yeah. so she has in here a scale of hotness. Okay. So, and it's rated by GHUs, which is gochujang hot taste units. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. <laughs> and most gochujangs fit fall into the 45 to 75 GHU range, which is getting sweaty hot. That's, sweaty yeah, that's sweaty hot. Hot. Okay. Um, the, anything over max? 100 is burn your tongue off hot. Okay. 75 to 100 is I need a hose hot. <laughs> 30 to 45 is hey, that's got some kick hot. And hmm. anything 30 or under is, didn't you say spicy? No. <laughs> That's my contribution to the section. So, I mean, that is very true because I have had a lot of kimchi that are, you know, mild. I mean, granted, there are there are kimchi that have zero red pepper flakes in it. Um, but then there's some kimchi, that have a little right, bit, though? right? What? Wouldn't that be white kimchi? Yeah, I mean, a white kimchi. Mm-hmm. But no, I meant like, yeah, so there's a white kimchi and then there's the ones that have just a little bit of flakes in it. It's like a tad bit. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it goes from different levels. I've seen it at the store, even in mild and hot, you know, like like a salsa. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but then going back to, I know Lana has made kimchi. We made kimchi together. It was a year ago. Um, Check it out on YouTube. Yeah, we. YouTube. There's com. been Ooh, some yeah. red pepper ago. flakes that we've found that are. It looks exactly identical, but they're just way spicier or way like milder. Nuclear. Yeah, nuclear. It's a huge range. I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it had like a, a a level, like a number, like you were just yeah, saying. Right? Um, that would make it so much more, you know, easier hey, to make we can a rate recipe. It. We can rate uh, it and like give it a, even give it a like, number. Even within the same brand, sometimes like you'll get one 
batch that's like really spicy and one batch that's not as spicy. And I don't know if it's just like in Korea, they're just not like tracking the spiciness levels of their peppers at any well, given time. Hopefully it or... means that like the peppers are stronger one year than not. Like hatch, hatch yeah. chilies. You yeah, know, like, maybe a drought yeah. or something. Kind of or, on, yeah. Well, oh, it's, good the rain so a barbecue they, in Korea, they have like these green peppers that they serve sometimes oh, with. Yeah. And they said one of <laughs> one in five are the spicy mm. ones. So every fifth <laughs> one is, is super spicy. I, I, didn't remember I got one of the spicy ones. Oh, you oh, did? Really? I, I ran into those spicy ones. Okay. I couldn't talk for like 45 one. minutes. <laughs> it was, it all right, was so all right. hot. All right. I was trying to find one. I never found one. I was yeah, like, I never oh, found one like pretty mild. There's I've been like eating them the whole trip and like hadn't hit a hot one. And I was just like, oh, these are fine. I took like a giant bite, like right out of the seat end. Mm. And then I could like I just like sat and cried and like sweat. <laughs> were you eating them like carrots? Like were you just or are you slicing them? Uh, I mean, no, I mean I like had cut it in half and then I just like dipped oh, okay. it in some. Well, I was that dude that was just, just like, like just picking yeah. the whole yeah, thing up. Well, I'm gonna eat this. They'll bring yeah. more. That's what I did. <laughs> I, was on on I think I was dipping it in the samjang. So yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah but dipping, yeah. eating, um, delicious. So, but yeah. Lana, tell us what did you make? And um, maybe made, tell us what you have made with Gochugaru. Um, what have I made? I mean, I've made kimchi. I made oi kimchi, the cucumber kimchi like you have. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just sprinkle it on a lot of things. Yeah, you said earlier that you were going to sprinkle pizza. it on tater tots. Yeah, right? that, was, yeah. that was the plan. Right? I was gonna, but then I was kind of like, I don't know when I'm going to have time to make tater tots before I have yeah. to eat. But that sounds that sounds amazing. Favorite thing like, to put it on. Put it on pizza. Favorite thing to put it on. Um, I don't know. Probably just I, when I make kimchi, I, I use a lot of it. I sprinkle Most it on ramen every time okay. I make ramen. Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh. Most surprising thing that you've put it on. <laughs> probably what <laughs> I've cream. made for tonight. Ooh. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> segue. Yeah. Get into it. What is it? Yeah. What have you brought, brought on the table? <laughs> I made. A watermelon sojurita. So I've got, it was Damn, frozen watermelon with some agave and a squeeze of yeah. lime and um, probably a lot more soju than I planned on putting into it. <laughs> is that frozen? It is frozen. That's, okay. It was, was frozen, like, frozen watermelon. I was like, yeah. is that a yeah. watermelon it's like sliced a smoothie. garnish on top of there? No, it's like it's a garnish. That looks so good, right? I would, I would pay, good. I would pay 12 bucks for that at a bar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I would pay eleven fifty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Patrick's cheap. No tip. <laughs> no tip. Absolutely not. I would definitely tip and pay more than that. Well, well I funny. made the cucumber kimchi because that was a simple thing. I had all the ingredients uh, except for the cucumbers, so I bought those today. I used the Persian cucumbers, so you know, still. Wait, you made similar. kimchi in like one day? Yeah. How is that possible? Aren't you supposed to like let it ferment, or you can. can you let it ferment in one day? You. I've never left the cucumber kimchi ferment because it gets really soggy. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So I think cucumber kimchi usually fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and it also doesn't have. um, uh, Well, this recipe didn't have any shrimp uh, in it or fish sauce or anything. So it's just gotcha. It's it's just a very simple, quick and easy recipe to eat fresh. None I mean, of my it's kimchi's in the ever fridge. have fish sauce. Yeah, I mean, it's been in the fridge for four hours, five hours, so it's got some flavor that's gone through it. But I feel yeah, like um, when I buy kimchi from the store, if it says no, I'm like if I if I get one with MSG or without MSG, like I always feel like the whatever the MSG product is, whether it's fish sauce or shrimp or whatever, it's always like really heavy handed. I'm like, this is I'm not from Busan, like, and I love a seafood, <laughs> but I can't 
I can't handle this. So I usually go for like the vegan or the no MSG because like just the, the seafood ness mm-hmm. of it is a little too much for me. Uh, yeah. from my goju gado creation that I did make and have already eaten pre-show, uh, I actually did something similar to Nathan. It's like a, it's a quick green onion, um, mm. kimchi. So, mm. or like a, a vinegared scallion. So it's like, not like a, maybe not like a proper kimchi, but like a quick one. Uh, so it's just, uh, scallions, a tablespoon of rice vinegar, a tablespoon of gochugaru, or I guess however much you want, depending on your spice. I think when I made it, I was like, I was doing it for like more people. So I was like, here's, this is good. I've scaled up appropriately and maybe made it a little too strong for all of the people who, all the mouths were eating it, but my mouth was happy. Um, That's on them. And then it has a a pinch of dark brown sugar, salt, and pepper, Mm. Um, Mm. which I I think is, is interesting. But so my, my, the full recipe comes from, uh, Korean American by Eric Kim. That's the cookbook that I was using. Mm. It was like the first like properly Korean slash Korean American recipe that I've made. And the thing that I've noticed with gochugaru is, uh, and generally is that it's like uh, Korean spice is paired with sugar a lot. So like yes. I think about mm-hmm. in other uh, cultures, you like offset heats with certain like other elements, but like with Koreans, they do that with sugar, which I think just gives it like a kind of unique overall taste combination uh but yeah i really liked it i thought it was good i think i i made it wrong so there wasn't like enough rice vinegar to like cover up the you know onion whatever thing but yeah it was good sounds delicious it's it does sound delicious so i just tried mine and uh just as you said uh it does it does have the spice but it also had a lot of sugar in it and Mm. i want to say that this um maybe i just added too much and i didn't measure correctly i feel like it's a little too sweet um, and not spicy enough. Did like you I, use like right, like white sugar or brown yeah, sugar? I just used white sugar. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I just added a little too much, or or what? But um, and again, my my pepper flakes are a little older. I feel so maybe they've lost some of their strength. Um, I did actually add a little bit of hot sauce at the end. There was a kimchi hot sauce that I had. I just wanted to see if that would uh, spice it up a little bit, and it it did a little more, but not still not enough. I think for me, I like. I like things a little hot, so. But uh, I, like but I, I do love in this. trouble because I'll yeah. put like a little bit of the gochugaru, <laughs> and then it'll be like, oh, it doesn't really taste like anything, and then I'll add like I'll just keep adding, but as yeah. it sits, sometimes it kind of yeah. gets hotter. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. I've made a huge mistake, <laughs> and now it's inedible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna eat it anyways. <laughs> yeah, just burn a mouth; it'll destroy your mouth. <laughs> I did have some gochujang sauce today. I don't know why I said sauce uh, because that's what jang means, I think, <laughs> according to this book. Uh, yeah, but it can also be a paste. So I it actually noodles. is that important. It was like a Korean fusion place that I had lunch at. Mm-hmm. And nice. Okay. Has a little bit of that spice. So there you go. Hashtag, I just tried mine. Maybe well, I know said a you bunch can... of stuff when you were just talking that I just wrote down. <laughs> that made me laugh. Oh, this is a great show. <laughs> well, I know you can put it on a lot of things. I would love to hear actually any listeners what they put it on, honestly, mm-hmm. if you, or if they found any recipes that uh, they really like with it, other than just the traditional kimchi recipes, maybe the fusion recipes, like, you know, what Lana did with a drink or putting it on French fries or tater tots or even maybe mashed potatoes. Um, I think I think it could be good on a lot of things. And I, I feel like I'm limited to just, you know, not being cautious with it because I'm like, oh, is it going to be too too spicy or is it just not going to add enough i want to go buy one of the spicier ones actually so that's why lana i wanted you to show me which one you got mm, so i could go yeah. get that one i'll send you 
Send you a picture of the bottle. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So, but that's the thing too is Nathan. You said you bought yours like it just in a big bag, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think that's uh, like I always get confused when I go to an H Mart or a Zion Market or any like Korean slash Asian store, and I'm looking for uh, gochugaru. Is like some like, a. It's not always romanized properly. Uh. And then B. It's like it can be in a bottle that looks like uh like a CC's pizza style <coughs> red pepper yeah. flakes in terms of like how large it is, mm-hmm. or it can be like just in a plastic bag and you're like, what right. is this? Um, so yeah. So the thing I always look for is if it says that it's a product of Korea, cause I think a lot of gochuguru gets um, sourced from China mm-hmm. and I mean, the stuff from China, like it tastes good, but I think the stuff from Korea in my experience has always been spicier mm-hmm. and it's always been hotter. So yeah. Interesting. I'm here for the heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me get it. Favorite meal, favorite Korean dish to make. Doesn't even have to have gochujara in it. Mine? Yeah. Um, you know, I like to do like sam-style lettuce wraps, um, but I don't eat a lot of pork, so I usually do it just with chicken thighs. But just mm. like really simple and like mm. a whole bunch of banchan on the side. And then, you know, then you have leftovers for days. <laughs> so you can make bibimbap all week. Here for it. Nathan, mm. favorite Korean dish that Lana has made for you? <laughs> uh, Not enough. Yeah, well, I mean, we made noodles recently, but um I always I wanted to make more of actually it's it's Lana posted a photo that she does it. I still have never tried it actually, where she dips like leftovers in egg and makes uh those like little like the leftover kimbap. Yeah, leftover yeah. kimbap with, uh, wrapped in egg. And it's a little ton. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never done that. Okay. But every time she posted a photo of that, I was like, oh man, I should try that. And of course I always forget. Um, and so yeah, that I think yeah. would, for me is something I need to start doing more. <laughs> it's a good way to heat up leftovers. Yeah. I like the sound nice. of that. I yeah. wish I could cook it in any degree and, <laughs> <laughs> and could make that. So <laughs> next time you I'm in Colorado. Yeah. Come on <laughs> we'll over. Have a Korean we'll, feast. We'll make some sojuritas. I'm down for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay, so what are we? Oh, I forgot. We have to do the ratings. I'm gonna rate my facts <laughs> ten out of five. Really good. A really good scale to rate the heat. Give me a zero, book, dude. Come on. The book, uh, the book is ten out of five, but you're gonna you're, you're a zero. My delivery wasn't good enough to warrant a one. Come on. Uh, I'll give you a one. That's all fine. All right, all right, all right. I appreciate. I'll give you a seven. Seven out of five. For your, for, your, for your heat scale. Yeah. Lana, Lana would you make your guess. drink again? Yeah, would you make your uh, drink again? Oh, I would absolutely make the drink again. Okay. Yeah. I would give this drink as I didn't measure anything, and I'm ashamed because I can't like share this recipe. So, but I would give this drink a solid five out of five. And that may be because I put like a lot of soju in it and I'm halfway through it at this point. Mm. But you know. What flavor <laughs> soju? Hell yeah. Regular soju? You know, I just used it's just a plain soju. Plain soju. Okay. Yeah. So you gotta use the, the, point. The, the, the white guy at the liquor store, you know, schooled me on brands of soju. So that was what he convinced me to get. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you got to go with the original flavors. <laughs> always. Say, Don't ever go general. with the flavor flavor. Did you just like, this feels like a prime opportunity for you to smile and nod and then just like pay and be like, come and then like peace <laughs> out. It did come in a beautiful bottle. It looked like fancy soju. So, you know, Ooh. <laughs> it was probably, it was right. probably pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, like, I know more than you. Good. Uh, you should, <laughs> next time you're over, I'll show you the other fancy soju that we got from our friend from Korea or from uh, mm. Allison's cousin. Yeah. And it is. I thought you're saving that for us. It is 40 proof. 
Whoa. Soju. I know. I know. I didn't know Soju so. came that strong. I didn't either. Oh, and then we all took a shot soju. of it. And we were like, this oh, is did you, like, strong. Oh, did you just go to Korea or something, Patrick? Yeah. What? So did, you just, did you just go to Korea or something, Patrick? No. <laughs> I've never um, been there. I'm going to say my scallion kimchi was my pot kimchi. I'm going to say three out of five. And that's mostly user error. It was really <laughs> great error. in the dish. I just don't think I like did it up proper i think there's and i'm like i'm so new to cooking with korean proportions and things and i'm like is this like am i using the right dish so that all, all the things can meld together because i also feel like some recipes can be so minimal in ingredients you're like you really gotta like get this right and i also like when it just says like a pinch i'm like my korean pinch radar is like not <laughs> calibrated yet so i gotta practice a little more before i can just be like yeah this is a good pinch so yeah <laughs> Uh, I would give mine, um, gosh, four out of five. I love cucumber. I love pickles. I love, awesome. uh, I'm, I think it's good. I think I added too much liquid, so it's a little saucy. Uh, a little saucy. Okay, there saucy it is. cucumbers. And, I mean, like liquid? I feel like I feel like I could put it on rice to let the rice soak up all the extra liquid, and, yeah. and that would be really mm. good. But, um, but yeah. So I and it, you know, maybe a little less sugar and some maybe a hotter. Gochu charu. So basically, you yeah. want everything you to be different, but you're still giving it a four. I'm, change. I'm giving it a four for effort. Like, <laughs> for effort. The concept is there. The concept is I there. I picked a great cucumber. The Persian yeah. cucumber is a good choice. I mean, the carrots are delicious. Always. Always. Oh, that's hilarious. Ridiculous. Lana, thank you so much again for coming yeah. on. Um, Thanks for having me. And yeah, sharing everything. I, I know. Um, how would you like, if you would like people to, uh, contact you, uh, or follow you, uh, or can they do that? Um, I don't do a whole lot of social media, but, um, I have an Instagram that I'm not very, uh, active on. It's Korean, nice. Korean dot ish. I love it. Korean, Korean dot ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Korean, full stop, ish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one, I started it like right as I was like starting on this journey. And I was like, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, full Korean yet. <laughs> Korean ish. Yeah. One well, day you'll be able to drop the ish. I'll just drop that Korean, ish right out there. Korean period. And that's a Korean dope handle. Korean dot. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, <laughs> Probably dot. already taken. Be. It might be. We'll find out right now. We'll take it back. <laughs> We'll reclaim that. We'll for make us. you a t shirt. For you. How about there you that? go. Nice. Oh, yeah. We can just make you a t shirt. Yep. Do you want the t shirt? Yeah. I want that t shirt too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the next John Chi Show t shirt. The next John Chi Show t shirt. Korean period. Korean period. Well, whenever anybody wants to go ahead and buy that shirt, when it becomes available, they can do that at johnchishow.com slash store. You can also go there, find different ways to support us, listen to all old episodes, check out a whole bunch of other stuff. It's a real fun time over there. Um, you can follow us on all the other social media platforms at John Chi Show. If you want to let us know your favorite recipes, meals, whatever else you use gochujara on, you can do that by sending us an email to johnchishow at gmail.com. You can also do that by leaving us voicemail, 972-677-8867. We still have an unplayed voicemail. It'll come <laughs> out at some point. I don't know. It might actually come out before this episode, so I probably shouldn't have said this. Anyways, um, what else do we have? Oh, if you do... If you have been feeling the show, if you've been listening and following along like Lana has, thank you so much, Lana. Um, and you want to leave us a rating or review on whatever you're taking this in on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, 
we would greatly appreciate that. That would be great. Um, I think that's about it. Anything else? Your handle. My handle, at Patrick in the World. Patrick in the World. And Noak for me. And I'm at KJ Rogi, wherever I want to be found on the internet. Yay! We did it. People know we're Korean ish and we're moving towards Korean, period. Period. Full stop, Korean. That's right. Stop. (laughs) Lana, thank you so much again for joining us. We appreciate your time, your energy, your effort, and the privilege of sharing your story with us. Can't wait to share it with everybody else. And for everybody else, until next time, John G. did look up and I was like, wait, which one is it? And you're like, ah. <laughs> it's the one that says outro, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>